Hello, and welcome to my CBT podcast. I'm Dr. Julie Osborne, and I specialize in cognitive behavioral therapy. Thanks for joining me today. I hope you're all staying home and staying safe and well during this time. I hope we're getting closer to being able to get back to some normalcy. And in the meantime, my podcast is to teach you CBT tools and to have you feel like you can leave after listening today with something that can be really helpful in your life. So in my past CBT podcasts, I've really encouraged everyone to reach out and send me questions or ideas you have for shows. Among many emails I got, which I appreciate, I just wanted to share one today and focus on uh, this person's question. So somebody emailed me and said they'd like to learn how to handle panic attacks besides taking lorazepam. So first, let me say what I want to help with is not how to handle panic attacks, but to get rid of panic attacks. Panic attacks are not something you need to live with or manage, but you can actually get rid of them. And I've worked with many, many, many clients who have come in having panic attacks and we've been able to alleviate them. And by learning the CBT tools and doing lots of different things that we're going to talk about today, they've been able to not have panic attacks anymore. And when there is some anxiety, they've learned how to manage that. So it's a really great question. I know a lot of people struggle with panic, and I'm sure people have been feeling that going through this pandemic as well. Based on the uncertainty, which is the foundation of anxiety, right? Not knowing what's to come next, when it's going to end, am I sick, am I not sick, you know, all those things of uncertainty. And again, I'm sure panic has been a problem for a lot of people during this time. So let me first talk to you a little bit about what panic is, because that's a question a lot of people have. And I always ask everyone when I first meet them in my assessment, you know, have you ever had a panic attack? So when someone says, I'm not sure, I can tell you, then you didn't have one. (laughs) Because any of us know that when you've had a panic attack, you know you had a panic attack. It is the most uncomfortable feeling in the world regarding how your body's feeling and the anxiety is at a 10. It is the worst you could get to. And some people have them chronically. Some people have had one in their life. Some have them maybe every few years based on a situation. So there's lots of different things that affect someone having a panic attack. But the most important thing I would say to get started with is understanding that your body is actually designed to panic, but that's really to help you flee from situations that aren't safe. All through our lives, our body has been in situations where, going back to the beginning of time, where we've had to know when something's dangerous, when something isn't, when we need to leave. So we're supposed to panic. The problem is when there's really nothing to panic about and you go through that. So a panic attack is the sudden urge of mounting physiological arousal that can happen out of nowhere or be triggered by situations, okay? And there's lots of physical symptoms. So I'm just going to read off some. Doesn't mean you're going to experience all of them. You may have. You may have just a couple when you've had your panic attack. But just to give you an idea, so the physical symptoms that people experience is they have increased heart rate, they get short of breath, you can be dizzy. You can have a choking sensation, 
You can feel tingling in your hands and feet. There could be a tightening in your chest. It feels like an elephant sitting on you. You might start sweating. And a lot of people I talk to say, you know, they felt like they were going to have a heart attack. And it's so scary thinking you're having a heart attack, right? And then psychologically, your symptoms, you know, are feeling of like unreality. You have this desire to run. A lot of people think they're going to go crazy or they're going to just do something out of control. So it is just a horrible mix of physiological symptoms and psychological symptoms all going on at the same time. And most people don't even know what's going on. So panic attacks are really frightening, but they're absolutely not dangerous. So as I was saying a minute ago, panic is actually a natural reaction when your survival is threatened. But when it happens out of context, when you are in no danger, makes it even more frightening to us. Because then we're thinking, why am I feeling this way? And I would say that the majority of my clients that I see that come in with panic have been to the emergency room, you know, one to three to five times, and I'm not exaggerating, going back to the emergency room, going back to the emergency room, telling the doctor there's something wrong with me, I'm having a heart attack. And then they do all these tests, they do an EKG, they, you know, test for your heart and everything else, and everything comes back normal. And most people really get pissed off, to be honest, <laughs> because it feels so physical, right? There's got to be something wrong. But there isn't, because it's panic, and it's not a heart attack. And then they eventually come to therapy. Usually the ER doctor says, you know, you need to go get some therapy and deal with why you're having panic. But a lot of times people don't come right away because they're so frustrated or they don't believe that it could be psychological or they don't want it to be psychological. You know, a lot of times people just want to have some medicine and feel better and move on with things. But you really need to deal with what's going on so you don't keep experiencing this panic. There's obviously been a lot of research that's ongoing with panic. And some research isn't even 100% sure why people do have panic attacks when there's no threat that's apparent at the time. So when we can't find a threat, we find reasons for our physical symptoms. What I find most common is people thinking, again, they're having a heart attack because their heart's racing, or they're thinking that they're going to faint because they feel lightheaded, or they're thinking I'm going to be out of control, you know, over my own self, which is really scary, right? That I'm not going to be able to control what I do or say. So just having these thoughts makes all of your physical symptoms reactions even worse, right? So I'm already feeling like I can't breathe really well. My heart's pounding. And now I'm starting to think like, oh my God, I'm having a heart attack. I'm going to faint. I'm going to be out of control. I can't handle this. And then that just revs up the heart even more. So it just feeds on itself and feeds on itself. So your heart can withstand a lot. It's important to know that your heart could be 200 beats a minute for days or even weeks with no damage to it. And that's really important to understand because, again, the fear is something bad's going to happen to me. And I'm so afraid of that. Also, I wanted to share that I've also recognized with clients that I've worked with that are dealing with panic, that unless something in that you know, moment happened where they really felt threatened, that most of them have had a long lifetime of anxiety. And it might have been mild, you know, or, you know, um, even moderate at times, but it's just kind of always been there and they've been able to deal with it and they've been able to manage it and they've not come for help. And then all of a sudden things explode and that's the panic attack. It's like the volcano finally exploded. So when I work with people with panic, once we start getting, you know, the panic under control, which is the most important thing, is that we start looking back and saying, you know, what is it that's causing this anxiety or this worry in your life? 
that maybe has gone back your whole life or the last few years or whatever situation or trauma might have happened that you never really addressed. And then you just kept dealing with it and dealing with it and dealing with it. And again, one day it's like the volcano erupts and that's the panic attack. And then people just kind of, you know, are just overwhelmed and so scared. They don't know what to do. And then their focus is just on the panic. But we really need to find out what else is going on. And I've said in my other podcast, there's always so much going on that's unconscious in our minds that we're not even aware of. That sometimes, you know, we'll be really worried about things and we're just not even conscious we're worried about it because we're just going through our day. We're just trying to get through the day sometimes. And we don't understand that things are still really wearing on us. So people with panic have a chronic thought pattern to interpret any of the different uncomfortable body sensations as catastrophic. So again, you have these symptoms, oh my God, I'm going to die. Versus like, okay, obviously I'm anxious right now and I need to calm down, use some tools that I have and go through this and it will pass. But instead they jump to the worst catastrophic thoughts you could possibly have. And again, it just feeds into that. Because this creates a problem of being hypervigilant to anybody's sensation and it creates more panic, right? So I've talked to some clients that, you know, I've shared with them that I think that they wake up in the morning and they almost like do this body scan. How am I feeling? Is there anything wrong with me? What's going on? Like they automatically create anxiety as soon as they wake up because they're just assuming something's going to be bad. So think of the times that you have felt panic. Did anything seriously ever happen? The answer is going to be no other than you feeling terrible. Panic attacks are different than actual heart attacks. Even the symptoms are different, even though it feels like you're having one because of all of the symptoms I talked to before. So it's really important to understand what the difference is, which can help start decreasing your fear. And just by changing your interpretations, you know, your thoughts of your body sensations and not thinking everything is dangerous. Explaining a little bit more about panic, it's caused by a sudden urge of adrenaline. If you recognize this and go through it, your body will metabolize and reattribute the adrenaline in like three to five minutes. But because most people don't know this and they get so scared, the panic attack can just go on for, you know, 20, 30 minutes, an hour. It can go on way longer because you're feeding into it because of your fear. But if you know that, okay, I'm having panic, not sure why at the moment, what's going on, but I know this is just panic. This is my anxiety. I can get through it. It might only last three or five minutes. If you don't go to the catastrophic thinking, it will pass sooner. So again, just educating a lot of my clients on what panic is has been really helpful. And that's why I'm focusing some time right now on just explaining to you what it is before we get into the tools. So you're going to be okay. I just want to say right now, if you're going through this right now and that you can get the right kind of help so you don't need to go through this anymore. There's a lot of different tools. And I wanted to mention regarding the question that I mentioned that someone wrote into me earlier, where she says, you know, besides taking lorazepam. So lorazepam is a medication and uh, I'm not a medical doctor and this is not my scope, but I just want to share that I do have clients that do take what they call benzodiazepines. So it might be like Ativan, Clonopin, Xanax, Valium, that a lot of people are prescribed to deal with panic. And Although it does work when people use it because it kicks in pretty quick, the problem is when you keep using medications to deal with your panic or your anxiety, you never really deal with it because the medicine does take the symptoms away because it's a tranquilizer, right? So you feel relaxed. You're like, oh, thank goodness that worked. And next time I feel this way, I'm going to take the pill again. So we want to work 
on dealing with the physical discomfort and seeing that you can get through this on your own so that you don't keep using the medicine. So don't stop your medicine, talk to your doctor. But I just wanted to explain what happens is it's kind of a Band-Aid. And that's why a lot of people never really deal with their anxiety if they're using medicine because they just keep using the medication and they don't come for help. I got a great example that I just thought of is I had a client years ago that had panic and she was taking clonopin and her routine was she would wake up every morning and she would just grab for her clonopin before she really even decided how she was feeling. And she would tell me that, you know, I would wake up and I would start feeling panicky. So I would just grab for my medicine. So kind of picked her brain a little bit and went through what's going on right when she wakes up. Because remember with the CBT, the way that you're thinking creates your moods, right? So we were able to figure out in that half a second when she woke up, her thought was, I'm going to have a panic attack. And then she would just grab for the clonopin. But that was a thought that wasn't necessarily true, but that ended up putting her into a panic attack because she's telling herself. And remember, I've taught you guys that what you tell your brain, it doesn't challenge you. When you tell your brain, fear, fear, panic, I'm in danger, your brain goes into fight or flight mode. It doesn't say, oh no, you'll be fine, you'll be fine, just relax. It just kicks in and then everything else starts revving up and all of a sudden you're having a panic attack. So we were able to work with those initial thoughts when she woke up to be able to replace them with something else so she didn't have to just keep reaching for that medicine because she wanted to eventually get off and work with her doctor on that. And then we worked on the thinking part so that she could get to that goal that she had. So again, it takes time. You know, the CBT might sound like, oh, okay, what are my thoughts? That's creating my moods, affects my behaviors, my physical reactions. But it takes time. It's a skill to figure out what am I thinking that's feeding into all of this and what's going on maybe subconsciously that I need to really work out with a therapist. So I know, you know, what is it that's feeding into this anxiety or panic because I want to get past it. Okay. And then also um, situations, kind of like that client that would wake up, that's a situation. I wake up, I think I'm going to have a panic attack and grab my medicine. Another part that people have panic attacks, which ends up creating what they call agoraphobia, is where you end up avoiding the places that you're having the panic. So say you go to the grocery store and you're in line and all of a sudden you have panic and you leave your groceries and you walk out and you're like, I ain't ever going back to the grocery store, right? Then you're at your friend's house one night for, you know, a dinner party. You have panic. You feel like you have to leave. I'm never going back to her house, right? Eventually your world becomes very small because you're associating the places you have panic and then you don't go there anymore. And it's not necessarily those places that created it. There's something going on with you that happened to be where you are or where you were. And we want to deal with being able to, you know, again, get rid of the panic so you can have the life that you want to live and not be just avoiding, avoiding, avoiding which is what people do when they're feeling anxiety, right? And avoidance doesn't work because you're just avoiding the situation and we want to deal with it so you can take more control over that. I know I'm sharing a lot of stuff, but I just want you to have a good understanding. Again, a lot of my clients, once they understand that nothing bad's going to happen to them and this is a normal part of our body at times when it is appropriate, that they can start feeling a little better and not be so scared about what's going to happen. So... Let me start talking about some tools that you can start using today if this is something that you're struggling with. And other than my Mind Over Mood book that I definitely refer everybody to and I use daily, there is an anxiety chapter in there. It talks about panic. And there's a couple other books at the end of the show that I'll share with you if you'd like to check into those as well. 
can be really helpful. So what are some tools that can help you eliminate the panic and how to deal with it when it's happening in your life? So the first thing I want to say is something we talk about is called symptom management, right? So managing your symptoms and to manage your symptoms, you need to know what they are. Okay. So as I talked about before, regarding your increased heart rate or shortness of breath or tingling or feeling dizzy, lightheaded, uh, some people can feel nauseous too. I don't know if I mentioned that earlier that we want to know what are my symptoms. So when I start feeling that way, I can say, okay, this is my anxiety. There's nothing wrong with me. Nothing bad's going to happen. I need to work through it and use my tools. Another example I wanted to mention, I use with my clients a lot in my office building, there's stairs to come up to my office. And I said, you know, if me and my client were walking up the stairs and both of our heart rate starts to increase a little bit, you know, I might think I need to work out more and my client's going to think I'm having a panic attack. So again, it's all about the way that you're thinking and what those triggers are for you. Because once you've had panic, you're going to just go there right away again, thinking, oh my God, here it happens. Okay, so symptom management is important. You know, what are your panic symptoms? And we want to catch them when they're at, if you think of a scale from zero to 10 and 10 is a panic, I want you to start catching them at a three and then start to use the tools so that you don't get to a 10 and have a full panic attack. That's really important. So. Lots of different tools. If you're at home or wherever and you can take out a piece of paper, I would suggest you start writing them down. If you're driving, you can always listen again later when you get home. But um, one thing that's really helpful is physical activity, actually. And I, I know that when you're feeling panicky, it's hard to imagine like moving through that. But one thing you can just do in place is jumping jacks, which I know sounds a little silly, but it really does help doing something physical. And I'm telling you, just do those jumping jacks until that panic is gone. A lot of times people start giggling and feel kind of silly and it's over. The panic's over. So that's something you can do with doing something physical. You can also talk to someone nearby about something to distract you or even just confiding in them about how you're feeling. You can also take a time out. I tell a lot of clients, you know, if you're at work or at a party or a restaurant, you know, just get up and go to the bathroom, go sit on the toilet, take a break, <laughs> do some breathing, you know, just calming yourself down. You don't have to stay where you're at because it's going to feel better to get some air, get some space away from where you are. That's important too. And then that gives you a chance to start practicing some breathing and calming yourself down. So I know we've talked about some breathing exercises in my other podcast about anxiety. So I want to review those as well. So breathing is really important when you're feeling panic because a lot of people with the shortness of breath are not breathing well. And I've had some people with anxiety and panic saying, I feel like I even catch myself holding my breath right? Not on purpose. It's just all of a sudden you realize you're not breathing well. So when you don't have enough oxygen in your body, your heart has to work harder, which makes it increase, which then you think you're having panic, right? So if you really do that deep breathing and take, I'm talking, you know, as much time as you need, but at least four or five minutes, which is longer than you think, because most of us do deep breathing for about a minute and think we're done. You really take that time to do some deep breathing and you get enough oxygen in your body, your heart rate is not going to keep beating hard because doing the deep breathing is just calm your whole system down. 
Okay. The lightheadedness can be from not having enough oxygen. So, you know, the tingling in your hands and feet is not having enough circulation going on, which is all connected to your breathing. So the breathing is really one of the first things to start doing when you're feeling the panic. Remember, you want to inhale through your nose, like down to your diaphragm. You really want to get it all in your system because a lot of people I notice with anxiety, they breathe and they stop about where your chest is and it never really gets down to your diaphragm. So you want to inhale through your nose, hold for a few seconds and then exhale. And again, doing that over and over again for, you know, four minutes, five minutes, as long as you need until you start feeling relaxed can be very helpful. Another thing that you can do is doing the progressive muscle relaxation. That is where you're going to clench your hands and make a fist, for example, and hold it until it feels really strained and then you let go. So when you clench your muscles and you release, it actually relaxes your body. So that's another thing that you can do. So I would start with the breathing and then do some of the clenching with your hands, your face, your chest. You're going to go from your head down to your toe. You can also do coping statements, which is really helpful, really helpful. So coping statements can be, you know, that I know this is my panic. I'll get through this. I've been this before. I'm strong. I'm going to be okay. Whatever resonates with you. And again, this is messages you want to give to your brain, right? So you're telling your brain, it's okay. It's okay. We're not in danger. We can calm down. We're going to be strong. We're going to be okay. So what I would recommend is to come up with like eight to 10 of coping statements that resonates with you and either put them in your phone or have three by five cards you can have on you in your wallet and your purse so that in that moment, you can take out the cards and you can read them, those statements to yourself. Because when you're in panic, there's no way you're going to be able to think straight to really come up with those thoughts. It's really hard when you're at a 10. So imagine you got this card or you got your phone, you can open it up. And you can just start reading this, doing some breathing. You're reading the coping statements. It is going to start being okay. It is going to start helping you relax. If you're with somebody and, you know, someone you're close to, you feel comfortable, you can ask them to even just hold your hand or give you a hug. You know, touching the ground or sitting down and putting your hands on the chair will ground you where you're at. So that can kind of bring you back to the moment. Also, if you're kind of feeling unreal and not knowing where you're at. So that can be very helpful as well. You want to find, as I've always said with all of my podcasts, there's lots of tools. You want to find what works for you. Okay. So some other tools I want to talk about also is that you want to create a practice of relaxation. Practice the deep breathing. Don't just wait to when you're in a panic mode, right? Practice on a regular basis. Just do deep breathing every day. It's great for you. All right. You want regular sleep. You want to get some exercise in your routine, a healthy diet. If you are having a lot of anxiety, you want to avoid caffeine. Be careful how much alcohol you're drinking. And using the CB tools, that can help decrease and eliminate the panic. So that's going back to what we did with the ABCs of CBT is using a thought record. You know, what am I thinking about? What is going on in my life that I am anxious? What is going on? Because I need to address that, not just manage this panic where people get stuck just managing their panic. So those are some things that you can do to help as well. And you want to remember that the physiological arousal and your self-talk about the fears is what produces the panic. So I start feeling something. I start telling me all these negative thoughts. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Boom, you're in panic mode. So that's the things we want to work on is the self-talk. 
so we can understand what's going on and make ourselves calm down. You can also splash some cold water on your face. Some people, you may have seen this before, where they have a rubber band around their wrist and they snap it. That kind of is a distraction and brings them back to the moment. That's something you can do. Any other things that, you know, if, you, if you're good at meditating, obviously that's a great thing to practice. Whatever you find that can ground you can be really helpful. Also, I wanted just to mention with the deep breathing, as we talked about a minute ago, if it makes you lightheaded, because I've had some people tell me that too, they're like, oh, I get more lightheaded when I deep breathe. Then you know what? Just take a minute, take a break. That's okay. But then come back to it because I'm telling you it works. It really does work. You also want to start to learn to observe and be curious with your physical reactions instead of reacting to them. That can be really helpful because all of your negative feelings and thoughts are reinforcing each other, right? So if we can learn and observe and be curious. So what does that mean is that when I start, my heart starts racing, I start feeling a little lightheaded to just kind of sit back and again, okay, this is my panic. What's going on? Kind of observing my heart going faster. I'm breathing deep. I can start observing my heart, start to go back to normal and just being curious what's going on and just knowing that I'm going to be okay. I've always been okay. Nothing bad has actually ever happened other than I feel horrible and I'm exhausted after all of this, right? It is exhausting, but nothing bad actually has happened and that's not going to be any different this time. Another interesting tool that you might not have thought of is expressing your anger when this is going on because anxiety and anger are incompatible reactions. You can't have both going on at the same time, right? It's very hard. So you might be feeling a lot of anxiety because of underlying anger, maybe that you aren't even dealing with, which makes a lot of sense. Say you're really angry about a situation in your family or work and you feel like you can't address it or no one's going to listen to you or it's just going to make things worse that could completely create panic for you because you're just thinking about it all the time. So when you are feeling panic and you want to express your anger, you know, you can scream into a pillow, you can kick your mattress, you know, just do something where you don't get hurt. <laughs> and this may work really well if you've dealt with panic for some time. First time, it might be a little hard, but if you've dealt with panic and you just, and even get pissed off at the panic, right? Just scream in your pillow about the panic, like you're just so over it and tired that that can really help the panic go away as well, which is something different. Something else you can practice is uh, what they call imagery. So you want to imagine yourself in a safe place or with someone you feel safe with. So this would be good with starting the breathing. Close your eyes, be sitting down and think about, you know, where do you feel safe? If it's somewhere in your home, if it's at the beach, if it's in the mountains, wherever you feel safe and doing the breathing, and then thinking about the smells, the sights, the sounds of that place, or if it's someone that makes you feel safe and they're not with you right then and there, who is that person? And to be thinking about them being with you. And that can help just affect all your senses and bring you to more of a calm place, which can be really helpful as well. If you're having a lot of panic attacks, like every week that happen often, what I would do also is record your panic attacks to see if you can find a pattern of your triggers. Just take out a piece of paper, write down like the time, the day, where you were. And then on the other side, you can make two columns, write down what things are stressing you out right now. What are some problems that might be going on that you just haven't been really paying attention to, that you're not maybe addressing, that you need to, if you need to talk to that person, or again, go for some professional help. You know, I've had many clients I've met with just once or twice that were having an issue with family or work. We've talked through it. We figure out how to approach the person, how to communicate with them. 
And then they didn't come back to therapy because they went and dealt with it and they were feeling better. But sometimes you just need some professional help and guidance from someone, you know, that's not biased. They can give you some insight to help you look at your part, look at the other person's part and what's the best way to communicate. So recording your panic attacks can be really helpful to see if you can see a pattern, if there's something that's triggering you. So that's something else you can do. Some of the main tools are, you know, recognizing your tendency to believe that your physical symptoms are dangerous, right? Again, that I'm going to be okay. Nothing bad's going to happen. But obviously I'm dealing with some really major stress in my life that's bringing on the panic. Writing down other explanations for your physical reactions that you're experiencing, which I was just talking about recording. Okay. And one thing that I do with some of my clients some people could try this at home, but you really want to evaluate if you would be okay doing this would be inducing panic attacks. So if my clients are struggling with panic in the office, we'll induce a panic attack by maybe having somebody run in place for a certain amount of time till their heart gets elevated and they start feeling anxious. I've had some clients sit in my chair where I'll spin them in circles so they get dizzy. So I know this doesn't sound very nice, but it really works really well because I'm right there with you. I'm talking you through this. We're doing the breathing. And you're in a safe environment and clients are like, oh, yeah, nothing bad did actually happen. And I can see I can even bring this on myself and I'll be okay. So that can be really helpful. So again, I haven't had clients do this on their own. You want to be careful with that because I don't want you just to create this panic when you're by yourself. But that's something that I do with my clients in a professional setting. If you're with a therapist and you feel that would be helpful and your therapist maybe hasn't tried that with you yet, you can talk to them and see if they're comfortable and you want to make sure, you know, Again, you're in a safe place and that's another tool that can be helpful. But again, I would recommend probably doing that in a professional environment with your therapist. So I just want to share a couple of stories for myself. I've had a couple of panic attacks in my life. My first one, I remember I was in college and uh, my dad went to the hospital to have a uh, rotor cuff surgery. And my dad was a phenomenal athlete, always strong, was the rock in my life. And I went to go visit him in between classes and he was doing fine. And I remember he asked me to just take a washcloth, like cold washcloth, kind of wipe the back of his neck and just make him more comfortable. And all of a sudden, ooh, that panic, I get lightheaded. My breathing was short. And I remember, you know, just saying, hey, dad, I need to go back to school because I felt like I just needed to leave the room. And I just think that it made me really anxious seeing my dad in a weak state, you know, and not being able to take care of himself. And I think that's what triggered it for me, you know, after I kind of figured it out. So I did what I suggested to you guys. I went down a bathroom. At the hospital, I just sat down on the toilet <laughs> and I took some time and did some deep breathing until I felt comfortable again. Another time which really made me understand what my clients go through is that I was having my second daughter. The delivery was going really quick and my husband wasn't back in the room yet. And the nurse was calling for the doctor to get in there. And I remember saying to myself, I can't do this. And immediately my body went into panic. I started having that tingling. I was having a hard time breathing. Like in a, a second, it was, I'm like, this is crazy. Just, I just said that to my brain and it went into that fight or flight mode. Luckily, you know, my nurse was great. She helped me do some deep breathing and relax and it all went away. But I always remember that because, you know, the power of suggestion, the power of what you tell yourself, your body's going to react. So we have to be so mindful and that's where the CBT tools are so great to be like, okay, what am I telling myself? What am I thinking about? That's just feeding into the struggle that I'm having with panic. And again, you know, panic is real. And my heart goes out to anyone that deals with it because it's just a horrible thing to live with. And most people believe that they have to live with it. 
And I'm telling you, you don't. You don't, you don't, you don't. You can get better and you can be free of panic and deal with, you know, everybody has some anxieties in their life at different times, but it doesn't have to manage you. You can manage it. So I know what it feels like and it's really uncomfortable. But I know when I've had those situations, I knew what it was. And luckily, I didn't get it to that place where I just felt like it was out of control. But it's really uncomfortable and it's, it's exhausting. You know, once you calm down, you're going to be wiped out. <laughs> so we want to work together so you can feel confident in yourself that if that happens, you know what to do. You're going to be able to handle it. And then we can get to some of the underlying issues of what's going on and why are you so anxious and what's triggering your panic. It's really important. I've had some clients that, you know, will say they wake up in the middle of the night with panic, which is a horrible experience. And they're thinking, why am I waking up? And again, the research doesn't always know why it's happening then. But my theory as a therapist is I really focus on what is going on that in our unconscious is still there, even when we're sleeping. And that's maybe when it gets affected and, you know, comes up for you. So we're going to deal and figure out what's going on so you can manage change how you feel about things, maybe change behaviors if that's necessary, address issues in your life that are just feeding this anxiety and causing, you know, all this discomfort for you. And it's not anything, again, you have to live with. And people have gotten rid of panic many, 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 many times. So I hope this has been helpful. I know it's a lot of information. And um, I just wanted to give you lots of different tools. I hope I've instilled some hope that it's not something you have to live with. You can get better. Just reach out for some professional help. Again, send me more questions if I can answer other things that I didn't address or explain things better. And if you listen back to my anxiety podcast, I went through some other breathing exercises that you could review there that can be helpful as well. I know I said that I was going to mention some uh, reading materials. So again, The Mind Over Mood by Dr. Greenberger, Dr. Podesky is what I use. And that talks about panic in the anxiety chapter. There's also an excellent book called When Panic Attacks, which is by Dr. David Burns, who I have a lot of training with as well. And that's a phenomenal book as well. And the last one is called The Anxiety and Phobia Workbook. And in chapter six, it's called Coping with Panic Attacks. And they have a lot of the information I share with you today, a lot of the same suggestions. So that would be a third book if you wanted to check it out. So those would be three that I would recommend. And again, send me those emails with those questions. I love to get them. I want to be able to be here for you. Again, my intention is to give you tools that you can leave with at the end of each podcast that you can feel will make a difference in your life. And I appreciate you taking the time. And we'll talk next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of my CBT podcast. I hope you'll join me next week for another episode. You can find me on my Facebook page at Dr. Julie Osborne. My website is www.mycognitivebehavioraltherapy. You can email me at mycbtpodcast at gmail.com. You can always reach me at my office at 949-224-3136. You can listen to my CBT podcast on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Stay safe and be well.
Pole Productions.